0: What's up, my good people of the internet? Dan Tortora here hanging out with you where sports meets life. I hope you're having yourselves a wonderful day. If your day's going well, we're going to make it better. If your day's not that great and you're ready to leave work and you've been there for five minutes... Well, hold the phone. Let's let's take a beat. Let's take a breath. We're going to make this day better. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some fun. It's Papa Joe Thursday. Uh-oh. And that means we're going to be having a great time with PJ PJ. He can't see it, but I am wearing, as you can see on YouTube and Facebook, one of my favorite hats of all time. I don't know why I haven't rocked this hat because I love the way that it looks this morning. It is my Arizona Diamondbacks hat The Diamondbacks are alive and well, and hopefully that continues in this wild card race. PJ, PJ, and I have a full slate of topics to go to. We're going to flip it today and talk about baseball first because Papa Joe told me, hey, it's in my contract. I got to talk about baseball for at least 20 minutes. So we got PJ, PJ here, baseball first. Then we're going to go to our college football week three pick results. How many games are we right? How many games are we off? We'll talk about our pick results for college football. Then we'll jump into our picks for this week for college football week four. Then we'll go to the NFL and review our picks for week two. We'll jump into our picks for week three for the NFL. And we'll end with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Duval. And yesterday you got to see the first on the prowl of the season, an all new intro New music, new everything, new video for On the Prowl and my coverage of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got to hear from linebackers Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd, cornerback Trey Herndon, as well as running back Tank Bigsby, wide receiver and returner Jamal Agnew, and quarterback Trevor Lawrence. All joined the show on Wake Up Call yesterday in my Q&As with these players of the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. So, with all that being said, it is time to welcome in the man of the hours, and that is here on YouTube.com, Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT, and on Wake Call They call him PJ. PJ. They call him the Goso, So, the Grand Old Smooth One. You can refer to him as whatever you'd like to call him, as long as you do not swear at the man. His name is Papa Joe, and the PJ Takeover happens every Thursday, exclusively on Wake Up Call. Due to our contractual rights, all this realignment has happened. But throughout this realignment, I've kept Papa Joe, so I believe my franchise is winning. Here he is, PJ. PJ, how we doing? Good, good.
1: I haven't made any money yet. When are you going to give me some money for crying
0: out loud? Hey, listen. You got to pay. This is how I look at it. You pay me in Sunday sauce, and I pay you in
2: Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> That sucks,
0: Daniel. <laughs> so, how are you doing, PJ?
1: Good, very. It's good. be ran all day today. So, good day for me to stay inside and maybe work on the vet a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. You'll have an opportunity to, to hang out and do some work with that. Uh, obviously, it was down in Florida here uh, this past week and got to spend some time with Papa Joe, Mary T, and my big bro, Meatball Number One. So, we had some fun. Over these uh, last few days, and now, and I got to go swimming, which was so nice. Now we're swimming in the Major League Baseball wild card race. There's 162 games of the season. I've said multiple times that's too many games. However, this season, it actually feels good that the season's this long because of how tight these races are. There's only one team that has clinched a berth in Major League Baseball for the postseason in the wild card, And those are the Tampa Bay Rays down there in the great state of Florida. The Rays have themselves a place and everybody else is still fighting. In the American League, Toronto, Seattle, and Texas are trying to get in. The Yankees, believe it or not, are still mathematically there. There's a bunch of teams that are, but they're eight games back. And then in the National League, we have Philadelphia, Arizona is now a game and a half above Chicago Cubs. So not only is Arizona in the wild card, they went from in to out to in to out a billion times. Then they went in to the third and final spot. Now they're in the second spot. So they're not even in the wild card. They're in the in the wild card right behind Philadelphia. They're a game and a half above Chicago Cubs. And they're on the heels of the Phillies And Arizona could even take that spot still, mathematically. The Miami Marlins are a half a game out behind Chicago, and the Cincinnati Reds are still alive. But the San Francisco Giants, who are in the same division as the Arizona Diamondbacks, the NL West, Arizona took both of those games, which put Arizona higher up, gave them some more room, and took San Francisco farther out. P.J. is baseball, and we're coming down to the wire. What do you got for me?
1: Well, you only got about 10 games left, and, you know, Arizona's certainly not a shoe, and that's for sure. But they have been playing really well. Um, last 10 games, they were 6-4, and four, and they've won five in a row. So uh, who should tell me that they're, they're not viable? I, I think they're, you know, every team at best, you know. Uh, but... All in all, things are going really good with with the wild cards, and too bad the American League is just so boring. I mean, uh, uh, who cares about the Yankees and Boston anymore? They they're just out of it, you know, and been out of it for for weeks. You know, I look at the teams that that show the best to me. I look at I look at the teams that that pitch and hit, two bases, four runs, that kind of stuff. And when you have teams like Atlanta and the Dodgers running away from everything and they're in the same, the same league, which is too bad because really they're the two best teams in baseball, uh, eventually they're going to have to play some in the American league. So when you look at the, when you look at the, uh, Atlanta, they're leading, the they're leading the league in betting average at 274. LA is. Second at two fifty seven at seventeen at seventeen points less. It's really unusual for this time of year. Chicago's at hitting two fifty five, and Arizona, surprisingly, is fourth, hitting two fifty three. So, if you ask me, that if if Arizona is doing well, they are doing well, except they don't have any pitching. They only got one really guy that's that's hanging hanging it for them, and that's uh uh Zach Gallon at a three point six zero ERA. Record is six and eight, so you know they're sort of stuck. They have to fish by committee until Allen can hit his turn up there. Atlanta, I mean, Arizona is not by any stretch of the imagination a lot, daniel they still have to play the games.
2: Yes, and they, they
1: can go one and a half up to one and a half down in a three game series. Yeah, my the guy look at it is that. I, again, I'm 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 trying to be fair here. Uh, Arizona is an average team. There are a bunch of average teams behind them. The Cubs, Miami, and Cincinnati. Of those teams, I think Cincinnati has the best shot at getting there because they have the most talent. Now, are they playing up to their capabilities? Not this year. No, they're not. And San Francisco went from really leading everything to being out. They're just down and out. They're, they're three games out. and. They only got eight games to play, so it just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, when I look at the American League, I see three teams, actually two teams that are really, really well. But Minnesota, in the Central Division, is you know they've they've been struggling all year long. But you know what? They're still leading their division. They may be a weak a weak team, but it doesn't matter. They're eighty one to seventy two, so that leaves their division. That's good. Baltimore and Houston, right there. Uh, Seattle, Texas, Toronto, all over 80 wins. Tampa Bay's got 93 wins. So you've got several teams there that could win their division in any other year except this year. There are, so many, there are so many good teams in the American League. Not good teams, they're just playing better than anyone else. Toronto is uh, one game up in the wild card. Seattle and Texas are both tied. Seattle and Texas are both in the same division following Houston. And Houston's only got a one-game lead off these guys. So uh, it, it's good to watch. It's fun to watch. I mean, I'm watching a lot of baseball. You know, I'm going to go over some stats here, and then I'm going to explain what I'm going to do next. Before I do that, I want to stress to our, our listeners out there that these these accumulative numbers that I give you are right up to date, right at last, the last night's games, and there's a reason why Atlanta and Los Angeles and Tampa Bay, some of the real good teams that are up there because they have cumulative good pitching and good hitting. Let's go over some of the stats here first before uh, I continue on. The American League, Corey Seager from Texas is been 337. He's leading the league. Diaz is 322, Bichette, Bo Bichette is 305, Ohtani is 304. I'll get to him later. Otani's leading the American League with home runs with 44. Um, he's only got 95 RBIs, and again, I'll talk about him later. Kyle Tucker from Houston has got 108 RBIs. Garcia from Texas is 102. Rodriguez is Cincinnati, or I mean, Seattle is 100. Otani has got a 304 batting average had 44 homers and 95 RBIs. Now the pundits out there and everyone in baseball think that he's got the American League most valuable player wrapped up. I don't think that way right now. I don't, we didn't see Otani for a while. Now we're not gonna see him again. Uh, So who's to to tell me that just because he's batting and hitting the way he is, that he would continue to do that if he was playing? You can't guarantee me that. Yeah. He's got a 10-5 record as a pitcher with 3.14 ERA. You know, those are really great numbers, but he hasn't played enough to me. I love Seager. Uh, he's batting 331. He's got 31 homers and 93 RBIs. He is the catalyst of Marcus Seaman that makes Texas go. And Garcia, too, with 102 RBIs. Those guys can score a lot of runs. And when you go down to the team batting averages, Texas is leading. The American League with a 266 team batting average. Tampa Bay, there they are again, at 257, Houston at 259. All of these teams pitch and hit well. Really, really well. When we look at the American League Cy Young, uh award, what I like to what I like to see is who is consistent for the whole year, not <coughs> excuse me, who's won two or three games in a row and lost one, one two or three games in a row. Garrett Cole of the Yankees, has got a 2.81 ERA, his record is 13 and 4. This is a no brainer. He's a lay down for the Cy Young. He deserves it. Tampa Bay is really, Zach Elton's got a 3.44 ERA, 15 and 8 record, a better record almost than Cole, his ERA is up there. (coughs) Garrett Cole is the only one, the only Yankees that's actually keep the team alive, kept the team alive you know the big stars that are judges and all these guys are eight fifty home runs and knocking 121. that doesn't happen the yankees have underperformed this year they got a 500 record george steinbreder would be raising hell oh my goodness all these guys would be fired if, yeah. he, was, if he was right there so oh, let's go to the national league <clears throat> here he is from miami has got a 354 betting averages which is a really good, obviously. And remember, we were talking about him a month ago. He maybe had a shot at 400, and I said he'd be lucky to hit 350. Well, I think he'll be lucky to hit 350. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's an astounding accomplishment by a really, really talented player. Ronald is hitting 337, 39 homers and 100 RBIs. He also has 67 stolen bases. Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers, at 333. 26 homers, 94 RBIs. Mookie Betts from LA hitting 310, 39 homers, 103 RBIs. Matt Olson from Atlanta, 279 with 52 homers, 131 RBIs. I said last month that I had Olson in front uh, to be the the most valuable player. Um, I can't say that now. I I, I like him. Uh, but he's only been 279, I mean, only, I mean, that's, that's a good batting average. with uh, 52 homers, 131 RBIs, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, it, it can hit for such an average and hit so many home runs at a at a really good bar. Um, <clears throat> let's go to the bat, let's go to the pitching. Blake Snell has got a 2.33 ERA, got a 14-9 and record. San Diego's still in in it, but and if it wasn't for Snell, they wouldn't be anywhere. Justin Steele from the Cubs is 3.00 ERA with a 16 and 5 record. Dak Gallon from Arizona. There's an Arizona player. 3.60 ERA 16 and 8 record. Spencer Strider from the Atlanta Braves, 3.73 ERA, 18 and 5 record. Super, super, super pitching. Now i what I would like you to do, Daniel, is put up a little put up a little uh request here. Yeah. Or a a little uh who, who would you give the National League Cy Young Award winner this year for the National League? Would it be Blake Snell? Would it be Zach Gallant? Would it be Justin Steele? Or would it be Spencer Strider? Those four are really the only ones. And it's going to be difficult. The only reason that Snell is leading is because he's got a, a smaller ERA. And he's playing for a, a, should have been a great team this year. But no, they're just, they've underperformed too. It's awful. Uh, San Diego is four and a half games out of the wildcard, but they don't have a chance of, of reaching there. So Blake Snell, Justin Steele, Zach Gallen, and Spencer Strider. who in the opinions of our listeners would be the National League Cy Award winner this year. All right, let's look at something that I'm really excited about. And that is the team batting averages and team ERA. To get to this far in the season, you need both. You need a, a, a batting. You need a team that hits well, and you have to have a team that, that pitches well. Obviously, I mean that's redundant, but uh, it's it's proven out. But when you look at the, the Atlanta Braves, outside of Spencer Schreier, got an 18 and five record, Bryce Elder is 12 and four, and Charlie Morton, who's been around for years, uh, is 14 and 12. Now those three guys constitute what. The, the starting pitching is for Atlanta. There are some guys that they throw in there, but nothing with these guys. Charlie, Charlie Morgan is a big-time pitcher. And if, if, if Atlanta gets to the pickle, instead of giving it to Strider, they'll give it to Morton because Morton's a big-time pitcher. But I look at the batting averages of Atlanta and I look at their the production. Besides, Olsen has 52 homers and 131 RBIs. We have Ronald Acuna who's 39 homers, 100 RBIs. Austin Riley has 36 homers, 91 RBIs. Marcel Ozina has 35 homers and 86 RBIs. And Isaiah Alves has 31 homers and 99 RBIs. There's five of these guys. Four of them have a real good chance of hitting more than 40 home runs, which is unheard of, unbelievable. So uh, those guys are carrying Atlanta. And the fishing is carry at winning. That's why they've been the best all year long. Un- un- unprecedented. We go to the American League and the Texas Rangers stick out. Garcia has 35 homers, 102 RBIs. Marcus Seaman has 25 homers, 95 RBIs. Joe Jung has 23 homers, 70 RBIs. And Corey Seager is that guy again. 31 homers, 93 RBIs. That's Texas's. Hitting right there. They're carrying their division because of their hitting. So if we look at the team batting averages, which I explained earlier, Atlanta's leading everything, Texas is leading everything in the AL. Now, when you talk about pitching, a team pitching ERA for Milwaukee is 3, 376, and San Diego is 387. Why San Diego has played so poorly this year? Other than not hitting, I don't understand. They've got three or four superstars on that, on that team. They can't do nothing. The American League Seattle's got a 3.7 ERA, Toronto 3.71, Tampa Bay 3.79. So you see Tampa Bay is in, in the hunt because of their American league batting average, and because of their American league ERA, Texas above everything Houston has a good team. We know they've been they've had the same guys playing, uh, other than Korea, as he traded them uh, since they won five years ago. They're just an amazing team. Um, if there's any questions, what do you got, Daniel? I mean, I got I still have a bunch of notes here, but I, I, what I want to get get involved in is the American League Most Valuable Player. Yeah. Now, who was I talking to the other day? Your, your bud. Who was I talking to on the phone? Brendan. Huh? Brendan. Brendan, right. Brendan feels that Otani with a 3-0-4 ERA, I mean 3-0-4 batting average, forty four homers, ninety five RBIs, and a ten and five records with a three point one four ERA. He he he's a slam dunk for it. I just I just don't think that way. Uh I, I can't think that way. Otani was a the best player on a was supposed to be a really, really good team here with Trout and his voice. Rendon hasn't played. Trout, again, on the the, the list again. These, these kind of, at the end of the year, these kind of things, you look back and you say, why isn't, why wasn't Los Angeles better? Well, there's the reason why. Just tiny, so tiny, the when it was carried forward, but Seager is leading his team. As I stated earlier, 331 batting average, 31 homers, 93 every ice. Now Seeger was out for a while too. He's come back, really lit it up. In my opinion, Seager <laughs> is a better selection for the most valuable player over Otani because of Otani, like you, Dan, you said the other day, he packed up his stuff and went back to Japan. Yeah. Then he had came back over here and he had surgery on his elbow and he went back to Japan. You know that's that's no way to that's no way to. <laughs> he should be here with his his buds for the at least for the last games of the season i, I didn't agree with it and because of that uh, he doesn't maybe he doesn't feel like he needs to be there i think he needs to be there so but seager is uh is to me a better pick because if he's on a better team and uh their team probably are going to make the playoffs it's mainly because of seager so we'll, let's see where that goes too yeah now in the national league mvp ronald acuna is leading the league in just about everything he didn't, except for homers. he's getting 39 homers 100 rbis he's also stolen 67 bases now this guy along with olsen and austin riley and marcel Wazuna and Ozzy those guys make up the most talented hitting atlanta team i've seen in recent years and they're all good players but o- o- kuna is doing more at this time of the year than anyone else in the league including his teammate Matt Olson, who has 52 homers and 131 RBIs as they said last month he was my he was my catalyst he was the one that was going to carry Atlanta but he was the one who was going to be MVP I can't think that way anymore because Acuna is so good in so many different ways better than Olsen because he hits better and he runs better he has 30 and 31 39 homers or rbis he got 67 stolen bases hitting 337. the probably would still win the division if he wasn't playing well or he wasn't playing at all but no not a, not a shot ronald acuna is going to be the hands down mvp the only question we have now is the is the national league uh award winner and i, I asked you to put that that little graph up there and
0: see what our folks would think yeah yeah and i put that up you know i i uh, just put it up so you can vote as pj was talking here putting everything up so you could see it Uh, you have the opportunity right now to go ahead and vote for two different polls the polls that are up on x the former twitter are uh, those polls are on at call dt that's c-a-l-l DT on X, the former Twitter. Make sure you follow me. Call DT, C-A-L-L-DT. Once you click follow, you can go ahead and vote in all of our polls. And uh, two of them are up this morning. Who would you give the National League Cy Young Award to this season? Blake Snell of the Padres, Zach Gallen of the D-backs, Justin Steele of the Cubs, or Spencer Strider of the Braves? Each of those names are available to you for you to select. And uh, we already have voting that started in my other poll that I just just put up it, literally a second ago. Would you still vote for Shohei Otani in his American League MVP despite being out for the remainder of the season due to injuries? The early voting says yes. No votes for no. So, so there's a there's still there's uh, obviously many opportunities for you to uh, vote in here. Make sure you go there and vote. Twitter, well, X, the former Twitter, at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T, vote in our polls this morning. Would you still vote Shohei Otani for American League MVP despite being out for the remainder of the season due to injury? That voting has already started as well as the voting for. Who would you give the National League Cy Young Award to this season? Blake Snell of the Padres, Zach Allen of the D-backs, Justin Steele of the Cubs, or Spencer Strider? Of the Braves, so make sure you vote in our polls this morning as they've just been put up. So yeah, PJ, we got them up, and uh, people are already voting in the Shohei poll.
1: Well, that's 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 good. I mean, it shows you the, uh, that there are some interested people out there about what's happening. I'm just a, I'm an old an old daddy I mean, I'm, I'm I'm an old I'm I'm a Neanderthal when it comes to all this kind of stuff because they grew up with with teams that, that pitched and ran and and hit hard and. Uh, Things are so specialized now that I just can't grasp it sometimes. But I know when I see a player that leads his team into a pennant and possibly a World Series. And that's what I see with Tiger. I'm not, you know, I'm not disputing Ohtani's talent. We know he's a generational talent. No yeah. question in my mind he's not. But he just hasn't played enough this year. He was off early in the year. Now he's off at the end of the year. Not only that, but he didn't, he didn't stick around with his buzz. You know. If you're on the uh, inver I uh, air list I mean what you can do is hang around with your buds and see how they're doing I don't I don't go for that yeah. I think Seeger is a all-around a super player and probably deserves it whether he'll get it I I doubt it because there's a lot of people out there and a lot of pundits that think Otani is the next god which is you know he may or may not be but he's, he's uh he's not playing and he hasn't played enough this year for me he's got to, he's got to qualify more uh, even though he does what he does in a limited amount of time which is outstanding uh, un- un- unbelievable i mean with a three or four average 44 homers 95 rbis he's got a 10 and 5 pitching record of 3.14 i mean yeah I, he's probably going to win it but i like an all-around player like Seeger better
0: well you know and and we'll see and i'm also going to put up a poll Right now, going off of the two guys that you have in this race, and that poll uh, will state who would you vote for between the two. So, uh, between, between Shohei Otani, and we're putting this up right now as people continue to vote for Shohei to win AL MVP on our uh, feed here, uh, Twitter at CALLDT, C A L L D T, which is now called X. Uh, between Shohei Otani. Of the angels and Corey Seager. This is a new poll that I'm putting up right now. So between Shohei Otani and Corey Seager of the Texas Rangers, who is your vote for 2023 American League MVP? So I want to see between the two what y'all are thinking. So we have three polls up here, all baseball related. They're all on Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it, at call dt That's at C-A-L-L-D-T. So make sure you go there now. Make sure that you uh, follow us and answer our poll questions this morning. I would love to hear what people are thinking as we uh, put this one up for Corey Seager and Shohei Otani. So the newest poll says, who would you vote in between the two? So if you had a choice between Shohei Otani and Corey Seager, who's your vote for 2023 AL MVP? And we have the Cy Young up for the National League. And more votes have come in. 100% still would say Shohei Otani's is the MVP of the American League despite injury. So early voting says Shohei, no matter what.
1: Okay. I mean, I mean, that's, that's people's opinion, which is good. I mean, yeah, like this is fun to talk about. But when you're talking about an all-around player, you look at the rest of the Texas team. Garcia's hitting 35 homers, 102 RBIs. If he had a better hitting record yeah. or a better average, he would be right up here with that he discussion, too. Seaman, uh, Marcus Seaman has got 25 homers, 95 RBIs. He's hitting around 280s. Every year, Marcus Seaman is, in, is, is talked about to get an MVP. He hasn't got it yet, but, again, he could qualify, too. And Seager with 31 homers, 93 RBIs, and lead the league in hitting at 337. You got Garcia, Seaman, Seeger. I'm Texas. All of them would really qualify to be an MVP if if things were different this year because of Otani. So you'll have to tell you have to tell Jay. that uh, that I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, really, what it comes down to is no. It's I mean, you're giving your points, and it's totally understood. You know, do you give an MVP to an injured player? and you know have they done enough despite injury you don't want to fault them because they're injured but you also don't want to say okay well if we're going to give it to them then is the season already over as far as even giving a look to anybody else so i mean it goes back and forth right it's not his fault that he's injured and at the same time it's it's not the other players that are still playing you know their fault that that they're not and they still have the option that their name isn't shohei otani so you know, we'll, we'll see you I mean, guys play baseball, Daniel, that's all. Yeah, no. He well,
1: not play baseball. He pitches every fifth day or sixth day, and he bets DH every day. He doesn't play baseball. He doesn't play first base. He doesn't play outfield. I mean, he could probably, uh, but the rest of these guys play ball. You know, they bat, they hit, they run, they pitch. They, they didn't pitch, but they they steal bases. They just, uh, they just do more. I mean, I want to see guys that earn it, that play baseball. these guys play baseball the ones i've mentioned otani don't get me wrong you know i i know he's a generational talent. he's a remarkable player but he doesn't play baseball every day so that's where i'm at with that and if you look at the national league where you got Betts and olsen and freeman and uh, Akrina and all and rest of these guys they play every day bird or not they they play the field and they hit so you know even though otani is a generational talent we also saying uh he he doesn't he doesn't qualify from the old PJ standards of playing baseball so uh maybe next year uh, he can do something different i doubt it because what they're saying now is that he's going to just bat next year and won't be able to pitch for another year so again uh now you're talking now you want to now you want to talk are you going to give this guy Who's the last five years have been remarkable? Are you going to give this guy a half a billion dollar contract to not play baseball every day? I uh, think about that, folks. If you're the GM of, of the Angels, how are you going to justify giving him a half a billion dollars if he doesn't play ball every day? So, you know, I, I, if I was a GM, I wouldn't give him the money because he, he I don't, he just. You know, we're talking about the, some of the contracts that these guys have got over the last three or four years have been outrageous. Including Trout who's my favorite player. No one deserves that kind of money. This is—they think this is play money. Meanwhile, all the people in the stands are paying nine million dollars for a hot dog and two million dollars for a beer. I mean, come on—they're going to make their money somewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, your fans want the players. You know, you think about it, you know, you want you want Shohei Ohtani, half a billion dollars means your hot dog costs more, your beer costs more, your hats cost more, your jerseys cost more. Hey, how come the jerseys went from 100 to 200? Because we got Shohei Ohtani. Hey, how come, how come we have to pay $18 for a small, tiny little uh, steak sandwich at Yankee Stadium? Well, because they extended Aaron Judge. I mean, it does. It comes back to the fans. That's the thing that's crazy about it is that you have these billion-dollar owners that have so much money, yet instead of taking it out of their pocket, they give it back to the fans. So they tell the fans, hey, we did right by you by bringing in these incredible players. But did you really do right by the fans? Because you brought in the incredible players and then you punish the fans by charging them more for things like parking and hot dogs and hamburgers and you know, toys for their kids. A bobblehead should not be more than five bucks. It's a freaking bobblehead. So I mean, it's just one of those things that that should that boggles my mind when I brought my dad to Yankee Stadium and we got chicken fingers and fries. It was hard to find the chicken inside of the fries. When we did discover those little tiny treasures of chicken inside the fries, it didn't warrant $15. And they gave my dad a giant coffee thermos, whatever the heck they gave him. And at the end of the day, the amount of money it cost us for him to have a coffee, me to have a soda, and for us to have little tiny bits of chicken inside of fries. I mean, honestly, you know, we're spending what, 30 bucks, 40 bucks for little to no nourishment. And uh, and where does that come from? It comes from the fact that the owners say, we gave you the players you wanted, and now you're stuck with the bill. So, you know, I I don't appreciate that at all. I will make an argument going back to the Shohei Otani thing because you said a lot of stuff this morning, you know, and I want to be clear about a couple things that PJ said. He's not saying that Shohei Otani is not a baseball player and that Shohei Otani should not be respected in baseball. What PJ is saying is, in the traditional sense of baseball, in order to be considered for an award from his point of view, what I'm understanding is that if you're going to win an award, then you have to play. Uh, You have to play an actual position of that where people would say, "Okay, well, he's a pitcher. You know, he plays he plays pitcher. So, you know, put him up for Cy Young and this and that. PJ's talking about when he's a DH and he's out there, he's not playing the field. And there are some thoughts from traditional believers in baseball that if you're going to give an award like an MVP to a player, then they should be out there as more than a DH. But now with a universal DH, there's an argument against that. So, I mean, it literally all goes back and forth. I completely understand that you know the talent of Shohei. You know, he's a one of one. We may never see a player like him again. He's better than Babe Ruth in the sense of he's a better pitcher, right? Babe Ruth was a pitcher and a hitter, and Babe Ruth's not known for his pitching. So, you know, at looking at everything that you said, I fully understand where you're coming from in the traditional sense. I think Shohei Otani, to me, because of who he is, on, you know, as a hitter and as a pitcher, I think the only thing that stands in his way is injury. I think that's the only thing that could stop it, but I don't think it's enough. It was toward the end of the season. And I think Shohei Otani is going to win something and he'll come away with something in my opinion. But I I know that you're, I know that you're respecting him as a player. You're just stating the fact of, you know, you would like to see somebody win the award that's playing first play at base or shortstop or right field or whatever that may be, you know, when these awards come down to it, it's about criteria and you have a different criteria than other people have. And that is, that is totally fine. By the way, in our poll that's up there, if you would choose Shohei or Corey Seager for AL MVP this year, it's 50-50 right now.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad people are listening to that. Uh, if you've seen these guys play, like I have all, uh, watched baseball all the time. Uh, See see Chigar play. And he can pick it, man. Are you kidding me? Uh, Ronald Acuna. Uh, The the guy is totally, in the last month of the season, has totally dominated just about every stat. Batting average home runs, RBIs, and steals. He's got 67 steals. I mean, you see, uh, now, again, please, folks, don't get me wrong here. I mean, Otani is who he is, and I understand that. And I admire him and everything. But you put Ronald Acuna on the same diamond as Otani, and there's no there's no comparison as to what the man is. Ronald Acuna is a ball player. He is a baseball player that does it all. And Otani doesn't do it all. I'm sorry.
0: And well, I mean, and I think people would say he does. So, you know, I mean, with with that, I mean it's it's just how you view it. How do you view it? He's a he's he's a DH, where some people are just a DH. He's a DH and he's a pitcher. He doesn't play the field, but he's a pitcher. He's one of the greatest hitters we've seen, but he's injured. So, you know, there's a lot of back and forth, and what do you do? And I'm sure that they'll be discussing this. I would be somewhat shocked if Shohei Otani doesn't win MVP, but I don't think that takes anything away from Corey Seeger. And I mean, we're looking at two teams that May not make the playoffs, right? The Angels aren't going to make the playoffs. The Rangers may not make the playoffs. I mean, it depends on how things shake out in the wild card. Does that have any meaning, right, to some people? It's a, it's regular season, and I have people tell me, you know, hey Dan, it's a regular season poll, it's a regular season vote, it should be based on the regular season. But these are human beings, and they might be looking at names going, well, that guy's in the playoffs, that guy's not, and that guy's not. So you know, we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how it goes, but. It's good to have the conversation. It's good to have the back and forth. And it's good to talk about baseball here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, with PJ, every uh, single opportunity that we get. We're going to take a step aside for a fast break. When we come back, we have plenty coming up for you. College football picks. How did we do last week? How are we going to pick this week? Same for the NFL and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a one-on-one start to their season. And they're back at home with an opportunity to – Lick the wounds and do better than last year in an absolutely confusingly abysmal game against the Houston Texans, where the Jaguars lost 13 to six on a playoff year at home in Jacksonville to a team that really didn't seemingly have a lot going in their direction. Well, we'll see if Jacksonville can shake it off from last year and figure things out. We'll figure that out right after the break here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Where sports truly. Meets life.
2: Hi, this is Amy from Mother's Cupboard, home of the whole frittata. We are open daily, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. For takeout orders, call 315 432 0942 and tune in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for our monthly food challenge and try our Wake Up Call signature menu item available seven days a week. Here at Mother's Cupboard, we are Central New York, and it's our honor to serve you. Ma and Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory remind us that every day is worth celebrating. Find them at 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. Open Monday through Saturday in-store and all the time online at maandpazpopcorn.com. Serving our Central New York community and beyond, you can order all throughout the country at maandpazpopcorn.com. And remember to get your tins, which have in-store half-price refills forever. Ma and Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory available to you for fundraising and all of your events by calling 315-450-6272. That's 315-450-6272. Mon Pa's Kettle Corn at Popcorn Factory. How corny are you?
3: This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Burriton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacted the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily and we bring in local produce. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator particularly a chick restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in their community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. It is that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with.
0: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, here where sports meets life, hanging out with you inside of the wonderful and beautiful weather that we have here today. Uh, it is sunny. There's a breeze. It's cooled down. The skies are blue. I love it. My allergies sometimes don't, but I love the fall weather. I love it. I'm a beacon skiff guy. Bring me out there. Apple cider donuts. Shout out mt. So there's a lot of there's a lot of great uh, things to do here uh, in central and upstate New York all the time, including in the fall. And you know i I can't appreciate it enough that you know, God has, not only woken me up today, but giving me such a beautiful day to play with my puppy and and hang out and have a good time. So we appreciate you being here, hanging out and spending some time with us. I do want to make a note here that uh, we in our polling that we have on X, which is the former Twitter, you could go and vote right now. We have three polls up. Make sure you vote ASAP. Uh, would you still vote Shohei Otani in his AL MVP despite his injuries that are, that will keep him out the rest of the season? 100% of you have said yes, 0% have said no. Between Shohei Ohtani and Corey Seager of the Rangers, it's Shohei of the Angels, who's your 2023 AL MVP? 66.7% say Shohei, 333 say Corey Seager. In the Cy Young battle in the National League, who would you vote for? Blake Snell of the Padres, Zach Allen of the D-backs, Justin Steele of the Cubs, or Spencer Strider of the Braves, The early voting has Spencer Strider in the lead. So that is where we are with the polls so far. Make sure you vote in those polls and go ahead and click follow at CallDT while you're there hanging out with us. So, PJ, any final notes on baseball before we hop into the college football side of things? I know you got a lot of stuff. Maybe, maybe, you know, with all the information that you provided and you always do in in such a a very in-depth, Look around the entire country, and I want to commend that. You know, folks, when you listen to Wake Up Call, uh, my whole thing is, can I go back and listen to my show and want to hear it? With Papa Joe giving us the information he gives us every single week that goes all around the country into each division, breaking down the teams, looking at the pitchers, looking at the hitters and so many different things, because he can transition and bring us through so many topics in a short amount of time, it's like that crash course in baseball if you miss something and i appreciate it so very much because it is a it's a great way to really get a feel for what's going on around the country not in one division not in one place so i appreciate it tremendously and with that said i'm going to come back at you with this pj so you talked about the nl cy young for you in the American League, is that Cy Young locked in? Is it done? Is it over? Is the is there any other conversation to have about the AL Cy Young in your opinion this season? And then my other question to you is about Florida. What do you think about the Tampa Bay Rays actually committing to moving? They're going to go to St. Pete and find a different location. They're going to find another location in St. Pete and uh and erect that build that create that and and finally uh move away from the trap which has been there since i was a little kid so first and foremost al cy young is it locked up secondly thoughts about the tampa rays future stadium
1: well when you talk about uh uh pictures like garrett cole and we remember him from houston where he was dominant for them in the world series um uh Garrett Cole is is a big stud. I mean, he's a big time pitcher. Uh, he's been a big time pitcher on a poor Yankees team with a two point eight eight one ERA and he's got a thirteen and four record. You know, certainly there are other players that have a better record. Maybe uh, some players have more strikeouts than Garrett Cole. Although I think he's leading. The only other pitcher I would put in there is Tampa Bay's Zach Elphin. You got a three point four four ERA and a fifteen and eight record. Now Elphin could be thought of uh in the same conversation with Cole because Tampa Bay will be in the playoffs probably. They're almost a shoe one. They hit well and they pitch well and Elfin is a big part of that. Yeah. I mean he's got a fifteen and eight record. Uh the ERH could be a lot better. But Tampa hits the ball so damn well that uh Elfin doesn't have to pitch a shot out every other day. So uh uh, even though Garrett Cole is a stud, Dalpin probably should be Mentioned in the same breath, but not quite as high. You know, Camille Garrico has it wrapped up. Okay, yeah,
0: I just want to get your thoughts. And then Tampa's future stadium.
1: Uh, when you live in Florida, the Tampa St. Pete area has always been one area. If you go to Tampa, you go to St. Pete. You go to St. Pete, you go to Tampa. I mean, it's, every time I'm over there, I you know we have to go through both towns anyway. So I'm sure that that the pe- the fans over the years. Half of them or more than half. them, Probably came from St. Pete up to Tampa just to watch the ball game. Doesn't doesn't take that long to do. Uh, Tampa, to me, never really, never really supported the kind of team that, that they deserve. The, the, the fans have been really fickled over the years, and because it's so blasted hot down here in the summertime, yeah. uh, If the, the dome is okay. Uh, and I know they're going to build another dome and another spot. Um, to me, it makes no difference uh, because the people from Tampa are going to go to St. Pete to watch the game. And the people from St. Pete already go to Tampa to watch baseball. So I don't think there's much difference at all. Uh, I applaud them for for coming up with a site. Now I, I'm going to see how they're going to get the money to do it.
0: Yeah, it says uh, Ray, Ray's announced plans for new $1.3 billion dollar stadium that and the the irony about this is the stadium is costing over a billion dollars but the tampa bay rays are one of the franchises that spend the least amount of money on players so uh, that's that's the kind of interesting thing is we always talk about how tampa doesn't spend big money on players and yet there's a big money for the stadium coming up here maybe that's be you know hey not spending a ton of money on players, you keep putting that money in the piggy bank and maybe that's what's gonna pay for this thing. So uh, St. Petersburg, and uh, let's take a look at this right now. So uh, a team along with the uh, city of St. Petersburg, $1.3 billion state-of-the-art ballpark and a transformational development by the Heinz Historic Gas Plant Partnership on the 86-acre site, site where the team's current stadium sits is part of the redevelopment of the historic gas plant district. So. Uh, Major League Baseball is here to stay. Right here is what the owner Stuart uh, Sternberg said of the Rays and uh, the new thirty thousand seat stadium that has the ability to accommodate up to thirty five thousand will open in twenty twenty eight. So about five years from now, depending on the month that it opens, according to Major League Baseball, the new stadium will have three seating levels, a fixed roof, an artificial turf field, opera operable walls, and a pavilion design. Uh, 15 to 20 acres, including the ballpark and two event parking garages, would be owned by Pinellas County, leased to St. Petersburg, and subleased to the Rays on a 30-year lease agreement with an option to extend it to 40 years, according to what Major League Baseball Baseball said in a statement. So again, uh, there's going to be three seating levels. There's going to be a fixed roof, which the TROP has, and an artificial uh, turf field. And there's going to be parking garages instead of all of these uh, kind of open lot parking that they currently have. Now, officials of Major League Baseball said that the entire investment in the historic gas plant district project is projected to be more than $6 billion. The Rays will pay more than half of the $1.3 billion ballpark, again, probably because they haven't paid their players as much. So they just threw that money in a rainy day fund. And here it is. So uh, more than half of the $1.3 billion ballpark paid by the Rays, and they'll be responsible for any cost overruns. Pinellas County and the city of St. Petersburg will combine to contribute $600 million in equal amounts. So Pinellas County, $600 million. City of St. Pete, $600 million, $1.3 billion. So if you go to park on the beach in St. Pete in the next couple of years and the parking's a little bit more, I guess you can thank the Rays for that. So uh, this the, the agreement includes. I hope that doesn't happen. But again, like we said, it always trickles down to the consumer, which is the wrong thing to do. The agreement includes nearly eight million square feet of mixed use development that will surround the new site of the Rays ballpark. There are also plans for an African American Museum of History on the historic gas uh, plant uh, gas plant site, an area that was used as a neighborhood barrier to segregate St. Pete decades ago. Uh, from The uh, St. Petersburg mayor, Ken Welch, he said, quote, today we take a new step forward in the promises made to the gas plant community some 40 years ago when I was a young man. Promises of opportunity and housing and economic development. Today we celebrate the power of partnership and inclusive progress for our entire community based on our shared priorities, end quote. Now, the uh, city leaders say the historic project will invest more than $6.5 billion in St. Petersburg over 20 years. And be the largest mixed-use development project in Tampa area history. Uh, baseball has the power to connect people, connect communities, and inspire us," said uh, Rays owner Sternberg. And, and the new stadium is is uh, expected to bring about 4,500 construction jobs, 15,000 annual jobs through Pinellas County. So, uh, jobs coming into the community is obviously another important part. So, I mean, that's that I'm looking at. Some of the pictures here, and you know we'll we'll see here. Uh, this has been at least a 16-year saga. Uh, the Rays attempted to find a deal in Tampa, only to find uh, that there was uh, little for that. So uh, here we go. There was also uh, an idea to split the team between St. Pete and Montreal. Believe it or not, which is absolutely insane, and that deal didn't go through. Thank goodness. So this is where we are. So there's going to be a new stadium. In St. Petersburg, over a billion dollars going to be spent. And I'm looking at the uh, video of it right now, kind of taking a look around the stadium. But, I mean, what are your thoughts, PJ? It's still a fixed roof. It's still going to be inside. And, you know, the Rays are going to be in St. Pete for the foreseeable future. And uh, they're going to try and obviously build up the community around the stadium. So what are your thoughts? I, you know, Joe and I go over there quite often. And the last time we were there,
1: uh, the Angels were playing Tampa. And we saw a little bunch of Asian kids running around with Otani shirts on. You know, it's, no matter where Otani goes, he's extremely popular. Uh, the only problem I have with the whole concept is I would like to see him put real grass in. Uh, you, it's been proven that you can grow real grass indoors. And I don't know if this, this dome is going to open or not. You said it, removable walls, but, uh, I think a, a, close cut, uh, like a golf course type of grass will work really well, uh, in enclosed trip, something like that. I'm just tired of watching it, just tired of watching artificial turf, period, from football to baseball or anything, can't stand it. Uh, you yeah, have to watch Aaron Rodgers get hurt, you know, uh, worry. You just, his foot went one way and his. Body went the other I mean it's it's terrible to see something like that. Yeah. Um, I would like to see uh, the group. The maybe they'll come up with something maybe they
0: won't I don't know I'm just an old traditionalist that's all. Yeah and I mean again and, and the thing the one of the things I like about you know when you go to the Rays Stadium when you go to the Trap right now is that you have an opportunity to I mean it's it's not as hard to get into as other places. And you just feel like you could pull right up and you're good to go. So there, I mean, they have built up some things over the years around it over the, you know, the last decade or so, but at the same time, you know, I, I I like the fact that it just seems more accessible, easier to get in and get out of than other stadiums that I've been to, but you know, they, they're going to make this change. Obviously uh, they, the, they see that, that, they need to do. They they feel the need to do something with their stadium. They feel the need to do uh, something and make sure that they have you know plans for the future and for the success of the franchise. And you know, as as uh, the press box manager who's on the show every other week in a segment we call "Blessings in Baseball," uh, Duke's Knutson said to me, "Hey, wherever we go, we're going to play Rays baseball. So it doesn't matter where our home is; we're still going to be the Rays." And, you know, I think that's important for people to remember. Before we jump into football, as we're here in hour number two with Papa Joe and the PJ Takeover every Thursday on Wake Up Call Worldwide on Wake Call YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and on Facebook.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, I want to make a note in our polling, PJ, because our polls have struck up and continuously gotten people in. Would you still vote Shohei Otani? As the AL MVP, despite being out the rest of the season due to injury, that is still 100%. The votes keep coming in for Shohei, yes. You still make him the MVP. In the head-to-head between Shohei Ohtani of the Angels and Corey Seager of the Rangers, who is your 2023 American League MVP? 80% Shohei, 20% Seager. In the Cy Young of the National League, got a bunch of votes that came in. They're only voting for two so far of the four options. So, who would you give the NL Cy Young Award to this season? Blake Snell of the Padres, Zach Allen of the D-backs, Justin Steele of the Cubs, or Spencer Strider of the Braves? 22.2% of you said Spencer Strider. 0% Steele, 0% Gallon. Oh, pardon me. As I'm speaking, here we go. So, Gallin got a vote. So, uh, we have, let me, so let me say it again. Spencer Strider has 18.2%. Of the vote to be your NL Cy Young Award winner for 2023. Justin Steele of the Cubs has zero percent. Zach Allen just received voting. He has nine point one percent of the votes. And with an overwhelming seventy-two point seven percent, the voters so far on Twitter at call DT, where you could vote right now, they have chosen Blake Snell of the Padres at seventy-two point seven percent. Your thoughts.
1: Uh great. Um uh- I'm a little disappointed there's not too many traditionalists, traditionalists out there that that know what i'm talking about about a, a baseball player but i can't i can't quarrel with the results i think it's a uh, it' it's, it's good it's good to talk about it uh, uh otani's probably going to win both of these hands down uh they're probably going to win uh will win the real vote too so but I, I express my opinion out there and
0: maybe some baseball people out there would appreciate where i'm coming from No, I mean, and listen, PJ, the people that are voting in these polls, that there's people that may 100% agree with you that just aren't even on Twitter. So that's the other side of it too, right? And I'm going to put the poll up on Facebook. And I think that there's a lot of uh, purists there as well and see what people say. It's funny because there's polls I put on Facebook and Twitter at the same time. And they were lopsided. Twitter said 80% this guy. 20% 20% that guy, you go on Facebook, it's flipped the opposite way, 90% the other guy, 10% the guy that had 80% on Twitter. So we'll see as the voting comes in. I'm excited that Zach Allen got a vote because as I was speaking, he had none and then it clicked in that he has a vote. So uh, that's a good thing to see as well. So we'll see as the as the polls continue to go. And PJ, you know what? This is how I look at it. You believe in what you believe in, The poll, the people in the poll believe what they believe in, And nobody's necessarily wrong in this situation because, as I told you off the air, people come at it from different angles. So Shohei is an incredible player and an incredible talent. And we're in a world right now where we have to decide, do you give the award to an injured player? And and if you do, uh, what does that say for the future? So we'll definitely see how things go and how things shake out. But uh, more than anything, I hope that Shohei, you know, that that surgery is successful, that he heals and that he comes back better than ever. I'm sad about the reality that Shohei is known for pitching and hitting. And if he's going to come back in 2024 and hit and he can't pitch until 2025, then he can't really 100 percent be Shohei, which I think is sad, which I think takes away from the game. And it takes away from him more than anything. So, you know, that's the sad news above all things. Right now, that's going on with Shohei. And I just hope that he's healthy, he's well, he's a hundred percent, he never gets injured again. His body is great, it doesn't fail him, and he has a wonderful career and a wonderful life moving forward. That's the most important thing to me from human being to human being. Beyond that, I hope that he gets to pitch and hit together sooner for for him, because that's what has made him so special to baseball for such a long time. So I'm excited to see hopefully a speedy and healthy recovery. With that being said, we're going to jump into our college football week three picks and see how P.J. and I did. The picks are up on the board right now. You can see them on Facebook and YouTube, both .com backslash Wake Up Call DT. For those of you on Podbean Live, I'm more than happy to share these with you. I'm going to go down the line, tell you who we picked and where we're at, and then we'll go from there. So, Bethune-Cookman, P.J.'s alma mater, played Miami. Miami won that game 48-7, to so PJ and I each got that right, so let me go ahead here and uh, circle those ones for us, so we both got that correct, so I'll circle Miami, so we uh, got one to start things off, South Carolina and Georgia, South Carolina gave them some heck there, but Georgia ended up winning it, we both picked Georgia, so I'm going to go ahead and circle Georgia. I said that Boston College would give a closer game than people expected. And that game ended 31-29, Florida State winning on the road. Very close game. We both picked Florida State. Florida State stays undefeated. We'll go ahead and circle that. The uh, next game that we had here, as I go down the line here, I don't believe we picked on that game. We did not. So some of these are out of order as, you know, when we look at the finish of the game. So let me go back and pick it up here so we're three for three so far in college football week three as we look down the line here and florida state boston college we already did so as we look at some of these other games tennessee and florida we both picked tennessee and the gators as pj said off the air he's happy to be wrong about that one pj picked purdue They lost. Syracuse beat them. I picked Syracuse, so I got that right. And going to some of the other games that we have here on the docket, and the problem is when we pick on scheduling-wise, when the schedule comes back, it moves the games around. So uh, when you look at this, we uh, we had picked Memphis to get their victory here, and the Memphis Tigers uh, that we selected to win in their game, which was over Navy, Navy gave them a really good game. Memphis won it 28 to 24. And shout out to Navy for that. Army and Navy both had uh, some good games. Army winning their game on the road against UTSA. And then Maryland and Virginia. PJ picked Virginia, and Virginia might be without their head coach at some point this season. I like Tony Bennett. He's a faithful man, believer in God. I, I really felt that from him. And I appreciate that and respect that so very much. And, uh, and so, you know, that I'm just, I'm sad that I feel like he might be one of those coaches that gets let go before the end of the season and uh, whatever happens, I hope he's okay and God bless to him. We both went with Mississippi state over LSU and we both got that one wrong. So we'll take that one out of it here and, Baylor, we had over Long Island University, which plays in the NEC, which is the same conference as LeMoyne, even though LeMoyne does not have football. So Baylor won that game. Uh, We chose Alabama, who had a really difficult battle against South Florida. They won 17 to three on the road, and it took them three quarterbacks to win the game. You know that conversation how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many quarterbacks does it take from Alabama to beat South Florida? 3 was the magic answer. North Carolina in their game against Minnesota, they won that one 31 to 13, so we got that one correct as well. We chose a bunch of games last week. We picked Duke over Northwestern in the ACC Big 10 challenges that have been going on, and so we got that. And then we took James Madison Uh, going down the line here. We picked uh, James Madison to win their game at Troy. They barely won it 16 to 14. Troy's played spoiler before, and James Madison's become that spoiler type team. Arkansas and BYU went up against each other as well, and uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, who have had themselves not too shabby of uh, recent history here. They've been able to get on the upper swing of things. So I want to congratulate them for that. And then BYU spending their first season inside of the Big 12 after being independent in football for such a long time. So this has been, it's a unique move for them and for Arkansas to try and create some more consistency with being a winning program. So there's been, you know, kind of a cool storyline there between these two teams. And to look at uh, BYU in this game, they ended up getting the victory over Arkansas 38-31. So I got that one right. PJ got that one wrong. And then outside of that, we have inside of the ACC, Clemson's game up against FAU. They won 48-14, to so we both got that one correct. And then TCU faced off against Houston, and they've done this before, but this is the first time. That they've ever done it as Big 12 teams. TCU beat Houston 36 to 13. We both picked Houston, so we both got that one wrong. And Colorado beat Colorado State in double overtime. So let me tally up here. PJ got 1-2, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2, 4-5-6-7, 8-2, 8-3, 8-4, 9-4, 9-5, 10-5, 10-6, and 6, 11 and six. So PJ ends the week 11 and 6 on the week, and I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I end the week 14, and uh, let's see here, 14 and 3. So I won the college week this week. I lost it last week to PJ. Any thoughts on this past week, PJ? Uh, you finish 11 and 6. I finished 14 and 3. A lot of good games, some scares. Colorado and Colorado State went to the bitter end because you don't talk smack, number one, and you don't talk smack when you're when you're in the same state as each other. I think that definitely had a play in this thing. Any thoughts on college football week three? I got a
1: couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my gators, for one thing, um, my gators showed a little, a lot of moxie. They uh, they were really under the gun uh, to to win. Uh, you know, you know, some people around the country. Maybe they do with some of the other larger universities, but there's a lot of uh, what we call bull gators in, in our place. I don't know what they call them in other places. These are the people that donate a lot of money and they have a lot to say. And uh, there were those, some of those people were really pissed off at, at how Napier was running the program. Um, I, I wasn't one of them because I like Napier. I think he's a good man. He's a hell of a recruiter. And he showed that uh, his team could win against a really, really tough Tennessee team. Uh, Tennessee lost because of their quarterback. I mean, uh, the guy might have a 100-yard throw, but he doesn't know where it's going. Uh, that didn't surprise me, but I'm surprised that Florida's defense rose up and, and knocked him silly, which was good. The other game is the Colorado, Colorado State game, and I'm going to throw a stat out here. and you have to appreciate this. Over 9.3 million sets would turn down to watch Colorado, Colorado State. That is an all-time record for a, for a football game on ESPN. Think about that. Yeah. All the years ES, ESPN in business, this game was the one that was the most watched, and I was one of them. I was up 1 o'clock in the morning watching these idiots. And I, you know, I <laughs> I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I mean, the the, the, the phenomenon is... is it's immense what's happening now. It's crazy and and all because of Dion. I mean, at the prime time, he. I don't know what's happening over there, but what I do know is I think they're going to wind up on the wrong side of the street coming this week And I think they're going to go up against a real tough Oregon team. But we'll we'll get to that later. But uh, I, th- I think I uh, think I've learned that Cheddar Sam the uh, prime son. Is a hell of a quarterback. I mean, this kid came back with a ninety-eight yard drive and a two-point conversion to get him in the ball game. And the, the kid shows a lot of—he shows a lot of stuff. And Moxie is one of them. He's tough. Doesn't mind running the ball. He's good size—not real big, not real small—but a, a good size for a quarterback. And I do believe that he may have a future in the NFL. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, the prime time. You got a couple
2: of really good ball players as sons.
0: Prime time. So yeah, I mean, definitely uh, the Florida Gators, like you said, happy to be uh, wrong in that one. We we both are. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for Tennessee and Josh Heupel, their head coach. Uh, I spent a couple of years covering him and speaking with him at UCF before he went to Tennessee. So you know, a lot of respect for for you know, obviously the success that Tennessee has had, and a hope for the Gators to have success, you know, in my connection with you and knowing how much you love them and care about them. And I, you know, have, uh, other friends as well that are, you know, big time bull gators. So, you know, that's, that's good to see that they got this victory and it's good to see, you know, the place that they've gotten to at this point, hopefully things will continue trending in the right direction as you and I both thought that Dan Mullen was going to be able to have some successful moments and ultimately, it was very short-lived, uh, much short, much more short-lived than I thought it would be, and you as well. So congratulations to the Gators and their win over Tennessee. That was a big time one that uh, we we didn't expect happening or see coming. And then, you know, with Colorado, Colorado State, I did see that coming. I told people there, oh, is Colorado State even a good team? Doesn't matter. You talk smack to each other before a game, locker room material. You talk smack to each other before a game and you're both in the same state. People will play out of their minds. That might be the best game Colorado State's played in seven years, 10 years, because you put them in that position. You said, Y'all are trash. Nah, y'all are trash. And you got Colorado coming in with Dion and all this stuff and this hoopla. There's something to be said about people playing up for games. And Colorado State, you're not fighting to win a game, you're fighting for in state respect when you go to the grocery store. And that is. Is different and that's why I felt like that game hit different and it did hit different which is why we saw what we saw in the in that overtime situation where you gotta you you're not gonna beat me in the regular part of the game you're gonna have to beat me in OT so you know that that was definitely a good game and but I saw that coming down the line I saw that game being hot and heavy and tough and difficult same thing with Florida State and BC I was like I think Florida State will win But BC has been a pain in the tush. They've been a terror to Florida State before. And they gave Florida State their first fight of the season. So something to think about and reflect upon as we move forward. I already talked in Tortora and Alfred last night about how whack these polls are in college football. That Oregon State is ranked 14th in the nation and Syracuse is not even in the top 25. And Oregon State beat nobody. They Well, Syracuse beat nobody. Okay. Oregon State, it, just, just for argument's sake, PJ, if you'll oblige me here. Oregon State, now Syracuse has beaten Colgate, Western Michigan, and they won at Purdue. We all know that the AP and the coaches' poll and the college football playoff gives the Big Ten way too much respect that they haven't earned. So Purdue is in the Big Ten, right? When Michigan State lost to Purdue, Purdue wasn't ranked a couple years ago. Then all of a sudden, they showed up in the rankings at 21, almost to make it look like Michigan State lost to a good team, and then they disappeared from the rankings right after. It was like, let's put them in, make Michigan State look okay, and argue why they get to stay in the top 10, and then let's run them out of here again. Oregon State is ranked 14th in the nation in the AP. They beat San Jose State, UC Davis, and San Diego State. What is that argument? being made that they're in the top 25, let alone 14, but you can't make an argument that Syracuse deserves to be 25 after beating Purdue at Purdue. So just just saying that there's a very unfair, unbalanced way of college football, and we see it show up in the rankings all of the time, and it's it's sad, and it needs to change. Uh, PJ, there's a game tonight, Georgia State at Coastal Carolina. There's a few games on Friday, as Friday's become a thing over these last few years. But uh, I'm going to jump right to Saturday for us. And there's a little old game called uh, Florida State-Clemson. I don't know if people know these teams. I don't know if they're familiar with Mike Mike Norvell and Dabo Sweeney, if they're familiar with the Tigers and the Seminoles. If they know about the ACC, I'm being facetious, it's called sarcasm get to know it if you don't know it i don't think the young kids know the sarcasm as well as they should so this is called sarcasm florida state at clemson abc this game is at noon this game should be at 7 p.m 8 p.m this is a prime time type of game but instead it's at noon so you're going to be watching this game in your boxers with your bowl of cinnamon toast crunch and i hope you enjoy it what do you have for it pj
1: Tough, 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 tough game. Tough pick too. Um, you know, I've been I've been trumpeting on uh, Norvell for a while now, and even though I'm a, I'm a Gator, I have to give him credit for what he's doing over there. And actually, I like him in this game. I think Clemson is uh, is, is is in for a tough road this year. Clemson and Alabama just don't seem like the same teams as they usually are. Uh, and with that, uh, I'm going to pick FSU.
0: Yeah, I'm going FSU as well in this matchup. I I said it. You know, you and I both said it. Mike Norvell came in. I had him for four years at Memphis. We, we had the conversation. And that conversation was that I thought he was going to be fine. I thought he was going to be good. I told you about him. And you spent some time, you know, yourself thinking about this. And we both agreed, hey, three, four years in, the man's going to be good. He's four years in. He's technically three and a half because his first year was a COVID year, and they played like five games. But he's in this fourth year, and I think this is a college football playoff team. I do. I think Florida State, as of right now, in my mind, is a college football playoff team. I think if and when this game goes in their favor, and they – I don't even want to say goes in their favor because you got to fight to win it. But if and when they win this game over Clemson, which I have them doing, I think you're definitely going to hear – the talking heads finally say, oh, yeah, 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 this is a college football playoff team. They're going to act like it's their idea, but you know where you heard it first. Florida State, in our opinion, is a college football playoff caliber team. And this season, I thought that before Clemson faltered. I thought that before Alabama faltered. In my head, I was like, Alabama will be in it, Florida State, you know, this and that. But now Alabama's in trouble. Florida State has shown me that everything that we thought and said about Mike Norvell over the last 3 4 years it's coming to fruition and credit Mike for that I had the belief in him you had the belief in him but they had to go do it he had to go recruit he had to take a fan base that is not as forgiving and not as easy to you know navigate through we know that with the coaches that were there before so you know, and I don't and I'm not trying to knock the fans. I'm just saying those fans are like, hey, if we don't win a championship every year, you suck. And it's like Florida State, come on now. You know, <laughs> like they take some rebuilding, but they're in a place right now where I feel like this team healthy is a viable team in the college football playoff. I'm going to go to Florida State. The next game that we have up here. To discuss P.J., on my list is going to be the game that you kind of alluded to Colorado at Oregon. Now, Dion's been all about that. Hey, look at us, gold chains, glasses indoors. We're about that life. We're, you know, we're going to walk around like rappers in videos showing you the high life. Now they got to go play Oregon. What are your thoughts at Oregon?
1: Well, I think, I think the football world will, will finally see it at Colorado. going to come down to, Earth here, uh, I think Oregon has really got a sensational team. they really they play really fast. Uh and they, this you know, one thing that we've seen over a couple of weeks here is is Colorado does not have a good defense. I mean, at all. So, I mean if you have to outscore someone fifty six to fifty two or something like that, he can do that because uh Sanders is a pretty good quarterback. But that being said, I think they're in a little bit a little bit high. I think I like Oregon here.
0: I just want to make a note that Oregon started the season with a win over Portland State at home 81 to 7. Oh my goodness. That's insane. And then they beat Texas Tech 38 to 30, and then they beat Hawaii 55 to 10. I'm going to go ahead and pick Oregon in this game as well. So PJ's going Oregon, I'm going Oregon. I love what primetime <clears throat> brings. His his new wrinkle to college football. I don't want to say I love it. I I I can appreciate the wow factor, the entertainment factor, the excitement factor, and the different angle. And I'm, you know, I, I'm excited to watch Primetime because obviously I was a fan of his when he was playing for the Cowboys. And I have been a fan of, you know, things that he has written on social media about God and faith. So I can appreciate that as well. I I think they lose this game to Oregon. I hope it's better than I think it's going to be because this game could be a bloodbath. And I don't want that for Colorado. So, I mean, I I would like this game to be close. It'd be great to see Colorado win with no offense to Oregon. But I'm going to pick Oregon in this game because hard out of it and impartial. I think Oregon's just, they they got more than enough that they need to handle this thing. Ole Miss at Alabama. How about this? Ole Miss is 15th in the nation. Alabama's 13th in the nation. You don't see that every day. That's why I'm mentioning it. The game's on CBS at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time in Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. What do you have, PJ, for the, when the lane train pulls into Tuscaloosa? Oh, boy. Lane train used to work for Bama.
1: The hell of a play caller, I'll tell you. Um, Alabama, as I mentioned earlier, and Clemson and a few other upper-level teams, like Ohio State and Michigan, they just don't seem themselves. I mean, I think they have the same out, the the better athletes, but they're just not putting it together. And Nick Saban, after watching him run up and down the, the field soaking wet and trying to pull his team through, it was awful We're off the watch i'm saying how can this happen to nick saban it almost did happen to him because he almost lost but i think that they come back a little bit stronger this week i, I like alabama strictly because of their defense their offenses and a lot of a lot of a lot of help needs a lot of help they went through three quarterbacks and couldn't win uh and they're going back to the same kid they started the season with who can't throw uh you know wh- what do you do with a situation like that well, you run the ball 40 times a game, probably. Keep uh, keep Mississippi off the field. Uh, Alabama really has to show something uh, because their offensive line did not look well at all. Uh, they didn't They didn't look in sync. They didn't look like they wanted to play against a, an overmatched USF. So, uh, Alabama has to show me a lot more if they want to continue me voting for them in the playoff. I like Alabama.
0: You're going to go with Alabama. And I'm going to go with the lane train. The hell, that was a drum roll, baby. I am going with the lane train going into Tuscaloosa saying, hello, my former boss. Y'all ain't having a good season and it's about to get worse. I'm going with old Miss Bama. Going to be out of the college football playoff in week four? Really? Yes. Alabama, man, I don't see it. I don't see it this year. You got to face the lane train. We know he can score. And if Bama's having trouble with three different quarterbacks scoring the ball, and we know Ole Miss can jack that score up, I got to go with Ole Miss in this one to win the game. I'm going with Ole Miss, which I'm going to put on the screen as Ole because I believe that's exactly what Lane is going to be saying after this game. Mira Ole in the Hispanic Heritage month. I'm going with Lane. I just so you know a game like this, I would I would kind of dance with picking Ole Miss over Alabama, but Alabama this year, three quarterbacks, let me tell you something. The quarterback situation in Syracuse is better than the situation in Alabama. And that's the truth. So with that being said, Rebels come in and take the college football playoff away from Alabama in week four. That's crazy to say, but that's where we're at. The next game that we have up here, PJ, that I would love to get your thoughts on is going to be,
2: mm, 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 mm.
0: well, let's do it against the last teams left in the pack. Oregon State at Washington State. The two schools that still don't have a home and what used to be the Pac-12. Oregon State and Washington State are both ranked. They both played nobody. They both played a bunch of unranked teams. For some reason, the Pac-12 is in the top 25 and Syracuse is not. I'm not saying it because it's my hometown. I'm saying it because you can't argue Oregon State and Washington State over Syracuse based on schedule and based on this season strictly alone. I feel like the media and the coaches Are putting all these packed schools in the top twenty-five as like a swan song? Let's give them a top twenty-five ranking since their conference will never exist again. Well, Oregon State's playing at Washington State on Fox at seven p.m. Eastern Time. What do you have, PJ? Well, I won't
1: be watching the game that's for sure.
0: But I like Washington State. Yeah, Washington State. Play. How about this? How about I'm gonna give you a little wager. If Oregon State loses, then you got to take their orange out and put Syracuse's orange in because there's nothing on Oregon State's schedule that is better than Syracuse's right now. I'm going to go with Washington State in this game to win it. And I got nothing against Oregon State or Washington Washington State. I just have something against preferential treatment in the rankings. Next one that we have up here to take a look at, UAB, the Blazers. Ever since they canceled their football program, they've come back a-roaring. They have been qualified for a bowl game in all, I think it's six seasons, since they temporarily got rid of their football program. Now they're going on the road to face number one, Georgia. Does UAB out of Alabama-Birmingham pose any threat to a Georgia team that struggled with South Carolina, or will Georgia take care of business at Sanford Stadium?
1: yeah you know. Georgia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bum, 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 bum. Done. Georgia. So I'm going to go with Georgia in this game as well, but I would love to see UAB bring it in, in this matchup. I don't have them winning it, but I feel like – I just hope UAB uh, gives a reputable mo- – a, a resp- not a reputable – a respectable moment in their, in their history in this now being an American athletic team. I really want to see – uab do some good things against georgia get a couple touchdowns make it fun here's two teams that don't deserve to be ranked in the top 25 but they always are ohio state at notre dame whoever wins is going to be in the top top 10. whoever loses is going to be in the top 10 because it's a matchup against two teams in the top 10. and what does the committee always do take care of the big 10 and take care of notre dame so this game's a wash because whoever wins or loses they're not going to really lose their spot in the top 10, let alone the entire top 25. They'll be totally fine. Ohio State at Notre Dame, two teams that have played nobody. What's going to happen now, PJ? Uh, is,
1: I suppose I got to look at this game a little bit. I uh, don't like really either team. Um, I think I like Ohio State because I I think they have a better a better passing attack. Uh, I don't know. I think both defenses are going to play each other tough. Um and it is being played in Notre Dame. I'm sure that the gold is going to be all over the place over there. I think I like Ohio State on
0: an upset here. The tickets lowest price, four hundred and forty-eight dollars. I I'm gonna go with Ohio State on the road in these games against Notre Dame. I lean more on their side. I just feel like they have more I think Notre Dame's getting better, and I want to give them credit for that. Again, I don't think that Notre Dame is untalented. I don't think Notre Dame is not a not a team that that brings in I mean they have they got Sam Hartman from Wake Forest who I covered for many years and interviewed and I think he's a wonderful quarterback. I just again don't like unfair ranking systems and Ohio State I think has just got a little bit more. Iowa at Penn State. This is a Big 10 game. Again, both of these teams are ranked in the top 25. Iowa's number 24 for no reason. And Penn State's number seven because their name is Penn State. They're on CBS at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time this Saturday, September 3rd. Does Penn State have anything to worry about against Iowa? Or will the Nittany Lions take care of those Hawkeyes? I think Penn State was just, uh, again, this is, this is a game I don't care about either. Uh, I just, you
1: know, I, I, I rant every year about this big 10 being overrated but Penn
0: State just hanging in there and they're going to do what they got to do Uh, I like Penn State yeah I this one I'm a little bit concerned about for Penn State I'm going to go ahead and pick Penn State in the game but I think that Iowa can bring some pressure to this we're going to take a step aside we'll come back and finish off our college football picks for week four right after this fast break
1: corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Abacoli's through Wake can Call with Dan Tortora
2: every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Abacoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through Sunday Lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315 622 5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315
0: 622 5100. And also find them on myavacolis.com. That's my A V I C O L L I S.com.
2: Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to canine campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right Lily? (sighs) So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York and see canine campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin the grand cabin, or of course the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. (sighs) Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. It's the letter K, the number nine, and campground spelled with a K.com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9Campground.
0: PB&J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street-side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites, as well as their out-of-box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny,
2: USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PBJ's and js Lunchbox Streetside Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch,
0: and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, PB&J's Lunchbox, where we'd love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 and Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter, open Tuesday through Saturday dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted
2: to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that you know, we'd like to be a part of it. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, you fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide The best food in Syracuse that we possibly can and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is and people looking at me and smiling and saying this is the most amazing short rib i've ever had this is the most amazing filet i've ever had the end donna is great Sarah sarah's amazing thank you for coming over and talking to us and then them just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten 317 at montgomery restaurant part of the fabric of downtown syracuse located on 317 montgomery street in syracuse new york open tuesday through saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience
0: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets that thing called life. We appreciate you being here every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And PJ and I continue to make our picks here for college football in week four. And the last one that we made was Ohio. A part of me was Penn State over Iowa. So we're going to go ahead and add that Penn State in here. Uh, PSU. So I'll add Penn State into the uh, predictions that we have for this PJ PJ. Uh, the next one that we have up to pick on is going to or to pick I should say not pick on. So the next one that we have up here I'm going to go to your Gators who are playing the Charlotte 49ers. I just toured the uh, Charlotte 49ers place uh, back in July had the opportunity to uh, tour around their facility for football and they're going to go on the road to play the Florida Gators. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, uh, certainly the Gators should win. I mean, they certainly have the better athletes, but, um, they they can move the ball. Um, I was concerned, uh, by looking at their stats I'm thinking, you know, Florida, Florida could get tested here early and if that's the case, You know, the kids may not respond, but uh, Florida's defense showed up against Tennessee, which is a top-five team, uh, and they shouldn't have any problem uh, winning this game. But it it, it could get contentious early.
0: Yeah, I think think for me there's a chance that, you know, like you said, this game could get into, like, that range of 24-10 where Charlotte could be having an opportunity to come down the field and score, and then maybe it's 24-17, a one-possession game type thing. I could see that happening, but I'm going to go with the Gators ultimately in this matchup to pull away and get the victory. PJ, final game that we have here. You know, Of the games this week, there's not a lot of crazy oh-my-goodness games, but I do want to get to a couple more. Uh, Auburn at Texas A&M, neither one of these teams is ranked. They're both in the SEC and they're both going to be playing each other on ESPN at noon Eastern time this Saturday, September 23rd. The tickets to Texas A&M for Texas A&M-Auburn, you wouldn't believe me. Tickets as low as $36. What do you have, PJ? Oh, geez. You
1: know, I I looked this game over, and I like Texas A&M to begin with, but the more I thought about it, Auburn's playing at home.
0: um... No, they're on the road out of the road? Yes. Yep. Oh,
1: okay. My bad. Then
0: I am going to go with Texas (laughs) A&M. Yeah. Yeah. So Texas A&M is going to be at home in this one. And uh, Jimbo Fisher, here's the thing. A couple years ago, Jimbo beats Alabama. A couple years later, when you're an SEC coach, nobody cares. So Jimbo Fisher, if he loses this game, guarantee you, guarantee you, whether or not it's logical, which most of the time it's not, guarantee people will be saying that Jimbo Fisher should be fired. I'm just saying it right now. I don't think that Jimbo Fisher's a bad coach, but these are the moments that remind you, hey, Jimbo, if you had stayed at Florida State, you could have been the coach for 100 years. But now that you're in the SEC, your tickets are as low as $36. That's already going to piss the boosters off. If you lose this game, they're going to be calling for Jimbo's head four weeks into the season because that's the SEC. Syracuse army. Army's coming off of a road win, a reputable road win, a really good game against UTSA. And Syracuse is coming off of a road win over Purdue where they beat them by 15, caused four turnovers, almost six turnovers because there was two other fumbles that officials reviewed and ultimately called the other way. So Syracuse had four turnovers, could have had more, and two turnover on downs the Syracuse Orange had. The quarterback of Syracuse, Garrett Schrader, ran for a single game career high 195 yards rushing as a quarterback. It's the most in the FBS in a single game this season. And he set an all-time new record for himself with four rushing touchdowns. So he's had himself a pretty good start to the season. Army, they run the ball. Syracuse, they run the ball. The game's in the dome and it's at noon on the ACC network. What do you have, PJ?
1: Uh, Syracuse should win this easy. Um, but I do like the idea that they're both going to be run on the football like that. You know, I'm not crazy about quarterbacks running whether it's college or pros. Army runs it all the time, so does Navy. So uh, it's just just part of the way they grow up, I guess. Um, I like Syracuse.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick Syracuse in this one. Uh, those of you that watch Tortora and Alford, you know that uh, I gave my final score uh, of this game as well for the orange and so i'm going with syracuse here by a few scores to win the game over army personally i'm very excited about this game having family that's uh, served in the army including my pop miller and my dad's dad who served in the u.s army in world war ii as well as my great uncle bucky and my great uncle vincent so shout out to my family much love to you and uh, miss you Sending you everything that I possibly can from here to heaven. So uh, I'm excited for that game. I'm going to be thinking about them a lot during that game. And I'm just happy to see Army play Syracuse. I feel like Syracuse should be playing the military academies every season. And I feel like that's something that they need to start to work into the schedule. Navy, Air Force, Army. To me, these should be normal games for Syracuse, especially with the fact that Syracuse and West Point for the U.S. Army are right down the road from each other. So there's no reason why this shouldn't be happening more often, and I'm hoping that it ultimately will. So those are our college football picks. Take a look at them on your screen on YouTube.com and Facebook.com backslash Wake Up Call DT because this is what we'll be reviewing this coming week to see if we were right or wrong or somewhere in between. So those are our picks for the week. And then PJ and I taking a look back at NFL Week Two to, to let everybody know how we did schedule wise uh, with or pardon me a uh, prediction wise with that. We both took Philly over the Eagle or over the uh, Vikings, and that game looked like it was all Eagles. And then Minnesota came back. The Vikings came back in that matchup and made it an interesting game. So ultimately, we got it right with Philadelphia. But the game was made better by Minnesota, which I'm happy that they did, because that game in the beginning looked like it was getting a little bit out of hand. So I'm happy to see that it, it was a little bit better down the stretch. Jordan Addison, who I covered in college at Pitt before he transferred to USC, he's a rookie wide receiver. He's scored in each of the first two weeks that he's had in the NFL. So congratulations to him for what he's doing with the Vikings to give them a true number two to help them with Justin Jefferson. And and. Uh, making sure that he continues to get open. The Packers lost to the Falcons in Atlanta by a point, 25-24. I know MT doesn't want to talk about that one. We both picked Green Bay. We got that wrong. The Bills defeated the Raiders without any issue. Not surprised on that one. And then Cincinnati and Baltimore. Baltimore was on the road. PJ took Cincinnati. I took the Ravens. And Joe Burrow and the Bengals are 0-2. And Joe Burrow is not 100%. I feel like coming off this injury, I don't know how much we can fault him in these first couple games. I thought Baltimore was going to be a loss because that's a tough game either way. But week one was definitely not what I anticipated from the Bengals. We We both picked Detroit at home against Seattle. And this game was won by the Seattle Seahawks. In the matchup. We both thought that Detroit could take it. It was a high-scoring game, 37-31. The Lions end up losing that game. They fall to one-and-one. One. We the Titans over the Chargers is what happened in this one, 27-24. We both picked the Chargers here. And uh, so in these games we've gotten wrong, they're, you know, by a very small, slim margin. The Bucks took care of the Bears by 10. We both had the Bucks in that one, so we get that correct. And then you went with Kansas City. I went with Jacksonville. So P ends up, PJ ends up being right in that one. Indy over the Texans on the road, 31-20. to So we both got that one correct. Uh, San Fran over the Rams is correct for both of us as well. We chose Arizona over the Giants. Again, another game we got wrong by less than a touchdown. One possession, three points. 31-28. The Giants barely get out of Arizona with the victory so we got that wrong. Dallas takes care of the Jets by 20 at home 30 to 10. And then we look at the Commanders over the Broncos 35-33. I chose the Commanders so I got that right. PJ chose the Broncos and then I chose Miami over the Patriots so I got that one correct. PJ chose the Patriots on that one and then we both picked the Saints and the Steelers so we got that right. So let's tally it up and see What we did this week for NFL week two. PJ got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. So PJ goes 9 and 7. I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I go 11 and 5 for this week. PJ, any thoughts on the NFL in week two? Oh, the Jaguars um, had a dismal effort on
1: offense. The more I looked at the game and analyzed it, I think that. um, uh, uh, obviously they didn't capitalize on the red zone at all. And, uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence ran one play. It was abominable on the one yard line. He sprints out and tries to get, get it. I don't No, Trevor, that's not the way it goes. You got that one line there. You got to ram it through. Um, I don't know why they don't play tank. makes me a little bit more. Um, at the end, as great as he is, as wonderful as he is, he does need a break every once in a while. So, uh, uh, you know, play tank a little bit more, throw so down the field a little bit more. I want to see uh, Ridley uh, stretch the field a little bit more. Um, maybe this was a learning experience. Coaching was as, as good as you could have been, obviously, because they weren't calling the right plays. And if, if Lawrence could check off a few times, she would probably do things differently. So let's just let's just put that one aside and hope we see Kansas City again.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely hope we see Kansas City again if that happens. That means the Jaguars are in the playoffs. So, uh taking a look at this. So, uh, like I said, PJ goes 9 and 7 and I go 11 and 5 in our week 2 predictions in the NFL. We both stay above 500. Let's do our week 3 picks before we jump into the Jaguars quick here, PJ. Uh Thursday night football it's tonight. Giants at the Niners. Who do you got?
1: San Francisco easy.
0: Yeah, I got San Fran in this one as well. I'm not Worried about uh, this game for San Fran and their defense and everything that they bring to the table. And at the same time, uh, the Giants not looking that great. Barely beating Arizona and losing 40 to nothing at home to the Cowboys. For Sunday, Tennessee at Cleveland. What do you got for this? Tennessee at Cleveland.
1: Tennessee at Cleveland. Well... Oh, I think I'm just... I had a lot to say about this, but I'm not going to talk about it.
0: Tennessee. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee as well in this matchup. Uh, Cleveland's dealing with an injury to Nick Chubb. I think Jerome Ford is definitely good to have for fantasy. I'm going to give Tennessee the slight edge in what I think might be a little bruising lower scoring battle. Atlanta at Detroit.
1: I like Detroit. I think that Jared Goff is a little bit better quarterback than than he was recognized to be. Uh, He probably should have stayed where he was, but He's making, he's making Detroit a winner. I like
0: Detroit here. Atlanta's had themselves a good start to the season. They've done some nice things with my guy, Desmond Ritter, there. They got two, they got two good backs in the backfield and uh, given opportunities here to the team to score a bunch of points on offense. I don't trust Atlanta's defense, and I don't trust Detroit's defense. They allowed a lot of points, almost 40 points to Seattle in that loss at home, 37-31. I want to pick Detroit. I really, really do. I also feel like Atlanta can win it. I'm going to lean on the side of Detroit in this one, but I'm not going to be surprised if I'm wrong. I'm going to go on record saying that. I think this is going to be a good game. New Orleans at Green Bay.
1: New Orleans at Green Bay. New Orleans at Green Bay. Well, I can't watch Green Bay anymore because they're in Rodgers, and, and I'm not really sold on this kid playing quarterback. Well, I do like New Orleans. I just I love to see throw the ball last week. I think he did a great job. I like New Orleans.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, Green Bay has been struggling. They just lost a game to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't feel great about it. We also know that Aaron Jones is not 100%. A.J. Dillon might get some more time, which I'm happy for him, and I'm sad for Aaron Jones. I hope he gets better and gets well. I I know this game is on the road for New Orleans, but I'm going to go ahead and pick New Orleans with you. I believe they're going to get this one over Green Bay. in, uh, In a game that could be close, could come down to a, a possession or two, but I'm gonna go in New Orleans. Denver at Miami. Denver at Miami. Well, I <clears throat> I got my ass
1: handed to me with Miami last week. I'm not gonna do it again this week. Um I'm gonna stay with uh, no. I'm gonna stay
0: with Miami. Yeah, I'm gonna go in Miami and and say what I said last year. When two is healthy, this is a playoff team. Denver, so far from that. Los Angeles, Chargers at the Minnesota Vikings.
1: Los Angeles at Minnesota. You know, <clears throat> L.A. looks like it could really explode at times. I don't look for Minnesota going anywhere. I do. i always like Cousins. I think he can throw the ball and, and score points. But I think L.A. is a little bit too much talent. L.A.
0: I went against L.A. and I and I paid for that in our predictions here. I'm not going against uh, the – actually, you know what? I had gone with L.A. before. And it's, it's burned me. I'm going to go with LA in this one. I'm going to go with the chargers. I just, Minnesota's got talent, but Minnesota's just, they're, they're tough to really figure out at this point. And uh, I hope they start to definitely in fantasy and reality. I think Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison are good players, good for fantasy football, but Minnesota is just one of those teams that doesn't seemingly have consistency. So we'll see new England at the jets.
1: Oh, this is a, this is a terrible game. This is—I don't know how both teams can play any worse than they are. Uh, the only reason, I, I like New England because of the grumpy, lovable captain. That's
0: all. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Jets can turn the ball over. This is the thing. I think the Patriots are going to get turnovers because Zach Wilson, to me, you know, there's a reason why he was the backup quarterback, and I think that the Patriots will take advantage and get some takeaways. On the other side of it, the Jets have a really good defense, and I think they're going to have some takeaways. This game is at Life. I don't know who to choose in this because this game, as PJ said, is, is ugly. So I, feet to the fire, I'm going to say New England by like an inch. I'll say New England. But this is this is an awful game. Buffalo at Washington.
1: Well, Washington certainly surprises a lot of people. Um, Buffalo isn't. And uh, I don't care where they play. Buffalo's a better team. Buffalo.
0: I'm going to go with Buffalo in this one as well. But, you know, in these games where Josh Allen's supposed to take care of business, sometimes he makes everybody nervous. And if this is a game played in the low 20s or 2017, That's not where you want to be. That's exactly where I think Washington can get them, but I'm going to pick Buffalo. Houston at Jacksonville. Last season, this game was horrible. Houston won the game 13-6, to and most of us left the press box with our jaw on the floor, and we had to roll it up and try and get it down the stairs in the elevator. I have no idea what happened last year, and I'm hoping for Jacksonville's sake it doesn't happen again. What are your thoughts, P.J.? Houston at Jacksonville.
1: Well, Jags should win it easy because he's, they're a terrible team. Um, I'm I'm looking at the Stroud kid, and um, you know, he's not to be blamed because of what's happening. They just have a terrible team. They don't have an offensive line. I mean, the kid's doing as as well as he could because he's got talent, uh, and his talent is probably going to win some games, uh, but it's not going to win this game. And He's probably going to get it roughed up quite a bit. I think the Jaguars are going to tee off on him. But Houston's problems are not because
0: of Stroud. Yeah, I think Stroud's done some good things. I think he will have himself a, a nice season here as a rookie. Keep in mind, folks, rookies make mistakes because it's their first season in the NFL. So stop going crazy on these poor guys. So I'm going to go with Jacksonville in this one to, tr- to right the ship from last year. And, uh, and hopefully... Get some red zone scores after going 0-4 for against the Chiefs. Next game up, we have Indianapolis at Baltimore. The battle of the new Colts versus the old city of the Colts, which is the old Browns team. It's confusing, PJ. I'll bring you down here for a minute. The Indianapolis Colts used to be the Baltimore Colts. The Baltimore Ravens used to be the Cleveland Browns. Now Baltimore, the city, is playing the franchise they used to have. Weird history. Who do you have?
1: Uh, Indy with uh, Richardson. I don't know if is going to play or not. I, I don't think he is. I think he's still in the concussion pro-
2: protocol. I don't know that for sure. Uh, but I like Baltimore despite. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens in this one uh, either way. I think that Anthony Richardson, they should have waited a few weeks before putting him in. Uh, here we are in week three, and he's not practicing with a concussion. So uh, God be with him, and I hope he heals up. Very, very uh, soon and for good, because I don't like seeing anybody get hurt. I don't care who they are or what team they play for. I don't like seeing anybody in pain. So I hope he gets better. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I would have picked the Ravens either way, uh, with Anthony Richardson in it or not. I think they got too much, and they're at home. Carolina at Seattle. Carolina looks all too dazed and confused, and Seattle just beat a real, uh, what I consider a good Detroit team. What do you have, PJ?
1: Carolina looks awful. Um, They're probably thinking over the number one quarterback choice right now, maybe to get Stroud instead of uh, the Bama kid. Um, Look, Young is just too small to play this game. And, you know, I've said it over and over over and over and over again over the years with Calvin Moore and some of these guys. Some of these guys are better than others, but, you know, he just can't keep sprinting out and throwing passes all the time. I mean, he's got to sit back in the pocket and air it out. I mean, the kid can't do it because he's. this is a different ballgame. Things have really sped up for him, and it's unfortunate because he's a hell of a player. I just don't think it's a good match here. Uh, So I like Seattle.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with Seattle as well. I just don't feel good about anything with Carolina. And I didn't feel good going into the season, and I wanted to see what they showed me. And I I feel arguably uh, worse than what I felt going in for Car- for Carolina. I hope things get better. Uh, Chicago at Kansas City. I'll
1: well, talk about an ugly team.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Justin feels just you know he, he went on the air yesterday and was telling the reporters that he's losing because of coaching and. I really got pissed off about that, and I had to read the article again, and then I had to listen to the kid. So, Justin, that's not the way you play this game, bro. I mean, you're you're a quarterback. You run the plays. You you sent into you because it doesn't fit you, and you want to run all the time. What can I tell you? Kansas City wins this game going away.
0: Yeah, I think Kansas City, after winning a defensive battle against Jacksonville. They're going to they're gonna be able to uh, probably sit some of their starters. And uh, maybe they can keep some of their starters in the pools at the Everbank Stadium and let them sit and have a nice little Sunday because I don't think the starters are going to have to play this whole game. So they'll play part of it, but Chicago is just bleh. Dallas at Arizona. another Dallas has had a great start to the season. They played a Giants team that couldn't figure anything out. They played a Jets team who don't have Aaron Rodgers. And now they're playing an Arizona team without Kyler Murray. This has got to be the best schedule Dallas has had in 100 years. What are your thoughts? Well,
1: they don't lose this game, that's for sure. Jerry Jones, he's whooping all the way to the back. So,
0: uh, Dallas. Yeah, I'm going with the Cowboys in this. If the Cowboys season continues like this, they're like, hey, let's play all of our games on the road. We don't even have to go home. So, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys in this one. Sunday night football, Pittsburgh at the race. So what do you have, P.J.? <laughs> um, you know, um, Mike town
1: has got some problems. Uh, there's a lot of people saying they want to fire their offensive coordinator and do that, do this. Mike Tomlin's not that kind of guy. He's going to try to fix it. Nothing wrong with Kenny Pickett. Uh, maybe he needs better play for sure. Uh, I think Pickett's one of the better young quarterbacks coming in the league. Uh, I like Pitt here.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Pitt. I don't feel great about this game. I feel like Sunday night and Monday night football has become like the games of defense and turnovers and low scoring in these last, you know, few that we've seen here. I just I feel like these these are the games where it just feels tight. It's like when you're watching it as a fantasy football fan, like, can someone please score so I can get some points? So I'm going to go a pit in this one on the road. Monday Night Football's got a doubleheader again. PJ Disney's getting all the money. Surprise, surprise! They got a game on ABC and they got a game on ESPN. And if you want to watch both, well, you're going to have to learn to flip back and forth, or you're going to have to put one on the tablet, or maybe you got picture in picture and you can make it happen that way. Philly at Tampa, the Los Angeles Rams at Cincinnati. What do you have, PJ, for these two games?
1: Um, I like Philadelphia. I know they're playing at Tampa, but I I think that. Justin hurts is coming into his own. Uh, I think he can, he can score. At, he can pass and run at will. Uh, he's done a hell of a job throwing the ball. I know that I was really, really a little on the fence with him throwing the ball when he came in the league, but he's proved me wrong. And I like Philly this way. And LA over Cincinnati and I know it's in Cincinnati, but Joe Burrow is not the same guy either. I, he still may be interested. He still may be injured. I guess maybe his, his calf is still hurting. Uh, it doesn't matter because LA
0: wins the game. I think there's a chance in this game that Cincinnati could score single digit points. I really do. I think this could be 20 to 3 or 20 to 7. I mean, Cincinnati has been awful and this could literally I'm not saying it's all Joe Burrow, but this could be in part to Joe Burrow not being 100% obviously. So, I think people need to, you know, look to that and say sometimes we rush people back and can't blame them if They're not ready body-wise, right? So I'm going to go with Philadelphia on the road. I'm going to go with the Rams on the road like PJ. So here are our picks for NFL Week 3. Papa Joe, we got one final note to put a cap on this broadcast, a wake-up call with Dan Tortora. That's any thoughts you want to make on the Jaguars. We've heard from the Jaguars on the prowl with Trevor Lawrence, Devin Lloyd, as well as uh, Chad Mumma, Trey Herndon, Jamal Agnew, and Tank Bigsby joining me this week on the show with Q and A's. Any thoughts that you have on the team?
1: Well, this this needs to be a feel good week for them. I mean, they need to, they really need to dominate this game and and just really take charge. And uh, I think that obviously uh, Houston's the kind of team that they can do that. Young Stroud probably uh, will get another lesson this week. They're sure they're going to be keen off on him. Um.